Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is Thursday. It is September 28th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll, up, we'll open up the phones once again around 1115-602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join. But let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which ended up having a really awesome conversation about the Suns and the NBA and philosophy from a whole host of different people in hour number one. So if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But contributing to the poll question here today, are the Suns closer to winning their first ever NBA championship because DeAndre Ayton is gone? No continues to lead the way here at 70 percent of the vote yes trailing at 30 percent kendrick perkins is on board uh between that it sounds like that they shouldn't have to even play the regular season if you listen to him it's going to be the bucks and the Suns in the finals <laughs> well uh wouldn't that be something if the three-team trade ended up facilitating the Bucks and the Suns in the finals. And, uh, you know, maybe the Suns can exact revenge on the last time they met in the finals. That's true. Even though how many players that actually played, and I mean played, in that series, yeah, I know there's just one guy left in the Suns roster, but there's not exactly a whole lot of dudes that actually were contributors to the Bucks that are still on their team. Yeah, obviously Drew Holiday is uh, part of that three-team trade, and uh, we could go through the roster, but, you know, you can do that. Yeah. You can make a case that Drew Holiday was the second most valuable player in that series in the finals. Yes, you could. Uh, Oh, you could also make the case, too, that uh, Dario Saric's injury changed things. Which I never have ever believed, and you're not going to convince me that that swung the series. They had a lead going to Milwaukee after he got hurt and we're done and didn't win, didn't win another game the rest of the series. We will answer that question, KDOS1060.com, around 11.30. Plenty of time for you to continue to cast your vote. Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, turning our attention to the Thursday night contest from Green Bay. The Lions and the Packers, who wins? The Lions continue to lead the way here at 58.3% of the vote. Packers, 41.7%. It's Thursday night football, so lots of injury questions. It appears that uh, Taylor Decker and David Montgomery are going to play for Detroit. Those are key, extreme, really key, extremely important players for them, which is redundant by me, but I'm just trying to stress a point here. <laughs> so I think I did, uh, even though maybe not intentionally to stress it that much. Uh, as far as uh, Green Bay goes, uh, Aaron Jones apparently is going to play, but Bakhtiari and Jenkins, their two best offensive linemen, uh, by far their two best offensive linemen, have both been declared out by the team yesterday. Looks like Watson's going to give it a whirl, but Jair Alexander 
almost for sure is not going to play for a second consecutive week, and he's one of the best corners in the NFL. And we will answer that question also around 1130 and still plenty of time for you to cast your vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Uh, let's talk about the Arizona Diamondbacks as they did beat the White Sox yesterday 3-0. It was a good performance from Brandon Fott, five and two-thirds, five hits, eight strikeouts, 87 pitches. Paul Sewald picked up his 34th save of the year, one hit, two strikeouts on 20 pitches. In terms of who the hero was at the plate, Corbin Carroll hit a two-run double. He now has 76 RBIs on the season. And the series here wraps up in moments with Bryce Jarvis on the mound against Tukey Toussaint. That's right. Former Diamondback first-round draft pick, Tukey Toussaint. And uh, he's had some good moments this year. And I think it's three different teams, at least two. Uh, And uh, the White Sox are bad. Uh, which I talked about, and the Diamondbacks actually played not a good game yesterday. Uh, they only they only had one hit after the third inning, and the White Sox are so bad that they were the Diamondbacks were never in danger of losing the game. Uh, as I mentioned during the Sports Zone, you know I've heard you know, the term "dead team walking." This is just a dead team. Uh, they are done. History. They've already started their cars and packed their bags, and then when they get out of this series. Their season's over, and uh, they're already planning the, you know, the golf reservations or whatever they do in the offseason. The the uh, Sun, the uh, White Sox players, I mean, it's a, they're horrible. In fact, I was talking to somebody yesterday after the Diamondbacks uh, game ended with the White Sox yesterday, and he actually asked me if I've ever seen a team that has quit more than the White Sox. And I said, yeah, I probably have, but you know, this team wasn't any good to start with. And unfortunately for them, and fortunately for the Diamondbacks, Luis Robert, their best player by far, uh, was placed on the injured list right before this series started for the rest of the season, obviously. And uh, they're, 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 they might be, as currently constructed, the absolute worst team in Major League Baseball. And to the Diamondbacks' credit that they've, ta- they've taken care of business the first two games, and the Diamondbacks have a bullpen game going here today, most likely with Jarvis starting, see how far he goes. But after that, it's a bullpen game. There's no way he's going to pitch anywhere near a you know, complete game or anything like that. Uh, but the, the White Sox are awful. They're doing what they should be doing by pounding a really, really bad team. Uh, let's take a look at how things are stacking up in the National League wildcard race. You had the Phillies who clinched a couple of days ago. They're at 89 and 69. Then the Diamondbacks here in second in the wildcard race at 84 and 74. The Cubs and the Marlins each tied at 82 and 76. And on the outside looking here, looking in one and a half games back is the Reds at 81 and 78. So when you look at how things unfolded yesterday and what's on the docket for today, you have the Mets topping the Marlins 11. 7-2 in Game 1. The Marlins beating the Mets in Game 2, 4-2, as they had a doubleheader yesterday. And the Marlins got really screwed by that rain out, and they're all upset. And I think that they want some kind of fine for the Mets with their grounds crew and how they didn't cover the field properly, at least in the Marlins' mind. What that rain out did is that the Marlins' pitching rotation, if they need to win games on Saturday and Sunday, is all screwed up, uh, and you know they've got you know their best starters unfortunately hurt and out for the season anyway. Uh, but you know they moved you know they moved up yesterday because the Cubs for a second consecutive game uh, blew a you know, blew a lead. It wasn't as big a lead. They blew a six-run lead, 
and lost to Atlanta on Tuesday night. Last night, uh, you know, they blew uh, leads of 4-1, excuse me, 3-1, 4-1, I'll get this right, 3-1, 4-3, and 5-4. And then the uh, Braves walked them off in the 10th inning. So the Cubs slide in the uh, last few weeks of the season has just escalated in the two games that they just lost in Atlanta. Yeah, so today for the Mets and the Marlins, it's going to be Jesus Lazardo, 10 and 9, 3.73 ERA, 198 strikeouts. David Peterson, 3 and 8, 5.37 ERA, 120 strikeouts. You touched on the Braves beating the Cubs there, 6 to 5. For them today, it's going to be Marcus Stroman, 10 and 8, 3.88 ERA, 117 strikeouts. AJ Smith, uh, Shaver, 1 and 0, 4.57 ERA, 18 strikeouts. Yeah, Smith Shaver's been a minor leaguer for 90% of the season. And uh, the Braves, it's going to be interesting to see how they you know, kind of uh, work this for the next couple of weeks because they're going to have a bye next week in the first round of the playoffs. And then they've got this pitching situation. You know, Freed and Morton are on the injured list. You know, Freed's eligible to return for the uh, first round, for the uh, which is the second round of the playoffs. Morton's not and Kyle Wright's pitching out of the bullpen. How's he going to fit in the postseason? So we'll see what happens with that. Stroman coming back from injury, and uh, you know the White Sox, the the, the Cubs, excuse me, uh, Chicago team. Chicago uh, in a must-win situation. Uh, they can't afford to lose any more games here. I know that they mathematically can, but you know if they get swept, when basically the Braves have you know used the pitching rotation and messed around and. They haven't won the last two days when the Braves have been, quote, messing around. Flipping this on over to the American League. Yesterday, you have the Yankees uh, beating the Blue Jays 6 nothing. Today, it's going to be Luke Weaver, 3-5, 6.47 ERA, 103 strikeouts. Chris Bassett, 15-8, 3.74 ERA, 174 strikeouts. But you had touched on how the Yankees here trying to do their best to play spoiler. Well, they've done a great job. They have the best record in the American League in the last four or five weeks. You know, this Garrett Cole crap that I had to listen to during the season, some from the national media. Uh, he has clinched the Cy Young Award, I assume, last night. If people don't vote for him now, they just don't like him. Uh, another complete game. He's been spectacular. He's going to lead the American League in a run average. He's been the best pitcher in baseball this season. But because he's maybe not the most likable human being, some of the people that vote for these things and some of the people that are on television talking about these things don't talk about him enough. He's been outstanding on a team that has sucked for most of the season. The defense that was really good for the Yankees last year has been subpar this year, partly because of injury. But he's been spectacular, and he put an explanation point on all that yesterday. And so you also had the Rangers beating the Angels 5-0. Today it's going to be Jordan Montgomery uh, versus Logan Gilbert, which is uh, going to be a Rangers and Mariners contest because you had the Astros beating the Mariners yesterday 8-3. The Astros are now off. They're here off before they play here tomorrow, of course, in the first of three-game series, and they still need to win games, the Astros, and you know, they, uh, you know, the Verlander is supposed to pitch. Well, he, can, he if they want to, they can pitch him here on Saturday on usual rest. So we'll see what's up with that. And Verlander was outstanding in the first game of that Mariner series. Uh, the Astros, they're 48 and 30 on the road. 
so far this season, so it would be in the Diamondbacks' best interest if they clinched a playoff spot today. Uh, also, it would be in their best interest because they could set up their pitching rotation next week for the playoffs and not have to pitch uh, Gallon or Kelly over the weekend unless they just wanted to get them some light work. We'll see what's up with that. As far as the Rangers are concerned, uh, Max Scherzer actually threw a light bullpen session yesterday. He's on the injured list. They've obviously declared him already out. Well, maybe not obviously, but just to refresh people's memory, they've already declared him out for the rest of the regular season. But there's some hope that he might be able to pitch for them in the postseason. And he did throw a, quote, light bullpen session, end of quote, yesterday for them. Big series starts tonight in Seattle. Uh, four games, you know, the Seattle actually, uh, they might have a better chance, not mathematically, but just realistically, uh, to win the division because they play the next four games against the first-place Rangers who are, I apologize, I don't have the magic number thing in front of me, but I think the Rangers need to win, I think it's two is their magic number. But uh, you know, but the, the Mariners have significantly damaged their chances by losing two of the last three days against against the uh, against the Astros. Yeah, the Rangers are sitting at 89 and 69, and then the wild card situation between the Blue Jays and Astros. Blue Jays 87 and 71, the Astros 87 and 72, and now the Mariners have fallen behind one and a half games back at 85 and 73. So their best chance is, uh, you know, sli- sliding in in an AL wild card situation but probably the AL West is uh, going to come down between the Rangers and the Astros. Yeah, so back to the Toronto thing. Uh, yeah, they still have one game left in the series against the Yankees. And Luke Weaver pitching today for the Yankees. I didn't even know he was on the Yankees until last weekend when he pitched in against the Diamondbacks. Uh, but Chris Bassett, who has been part of a very good and surprising to me uh, top-to-bottom Toronto rotation this year. And uh, Bassett goes uh, uh, for Toronto today against uh, Luke Waver and, uh, and the Yankees. So we'll see what happens with that. But you know, as you mentioned, and uh, we talked about yesterday, uh, the Yankees have been really, really good. Uh, to their credit, because it's been a lot of it, uh, they have a triple-A roster right now, too. I mean, when they, they played the Diamondbacks last weekend, uh, they suppose you have know, 15 guys that were on the active roster for the Yankees last weekend, and I'm sure this hasn't changed in the last three or four days since. Have actually spent some time in the minor leagues this season. When it comes to the Diamondbacks, they're underway right now against the White Sox. They're looking to get some runs in early. They have runners on first and third right now in the top of the first with one out. Christian Walker is at the plate. So uh, hopefully when we come back from break, there will be some runs tallied for the Diamondbacks. We'll take your calls as well. 602-260-1060. Give us a call now. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. We'll also dive into the Arizona Cardinals as they're prepping for their first NFC West opponent of the season in the 49ers. Some takeaways from Jonathan Gannon, quarterback Josh Josh Dobbs. We'll get into that all here in the Extra Point on KDOS AM 1060 next. the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. 
1123 here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Was hoping to be able to update you when we came back from break with some scores, some runs for the Diamondbacks. Unfortunately, Alec Thomas, uh, an incredible catch and play by Andrew Benatendi there in uh, left field. But uh, unfortunately, he popped out in foul territory and uh, the Diamondbacks now are going to be heading into the bottom of the first with the score 0-0. Zero, zero. So we'll continue to have some updates on the game. Real, real fast, that was a terrible first inning for the Diamondbacks. They had a chance to do some damage, kick a team that's down, further down, and Tuki Toussaint they got through with 29 pitches. The Christian Walker strikeout at bat, I'm sure, is not one that Walker is very proud of. That was an awful at bat. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. We'll pop on out to the KDOS hotline now. Bill and Surprise, what's on your mind today, Bill? Good morning, gang. Hope you're having a good day. We are. Hope you are, too. I am. I am. Cardinals gave me a lot of uh, happiness this week. You know, I'm a Jet fan, and Bob knows that. I've been a Jet fan for 50 years, but uh, the misery that's taking place there, the Cardinals were a real plus uh, beating the Cowboys. Well... I just want good, to make a comment good. about a book I just finished. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Bob. Were you going to say something? No, I was just say good for you. I mean, you deserve all the happiness you can get no matter what if you're a Jets fan. You got it, buddy. So I just got done reading this book about the 1926 season, Baseball at the Abyss. Uh, amazing. Uh, all of these guys are in the Hall of Fame, and not only were they gambling on games, they were fixing them. So before anybody had a chance to do anything else, here comes Babe Ruth and the 27 Yankees and Murderer's Row, and it all disappeared. But the facts are there. And now I'm starting to, I'm really starting to rethink this thing with Pete Rose. I really am. I mean, <laughs> you know, Rose, Rose did a lot of bad things. I mean, he gambled on games. He did what he was not supposed to do. Okay? When, when I listen to the guy talk about hitting, I'm thinking to myself, he's an uneducated man that knows more about hitting than anybody I've ever listened to, uh, including Williams and some other guys. I mean, Bob, have you ever changed, have you ever thought about it, that maybe he could go into the Hall of Fame? Uh, I would be completely against that because he you know, broke every rule that you're supposed to break as far as a player goes, and I don't have any idea of knowledge of the 1926 season. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm not going to get into that because I just it wouldn't be I'd be talking way out of turn uh, no matter what. But uh, and also having worked with Pete Rose in our Las Vegas radio days, he was a, he was my idol or my hero when I was a kid in Ohio in the 60s. Growing up, we all ran to first base if we walked because like him, we all, you know, I didn't necessarily get in the diving headfirst in the bases because I somehow realized at a young age that this is a bad idea to be diving headfirst into bases because you can get hurt. But he went for my idol, and then after I met him and worked with him a little bit, uh, he he was only with us for two or three weeks because he basically was supposed to make a couple appearances and didn't show up for either of them. Uh, but, you know, I went from my hero as a child to there's few humans and adults that I think less of than him as an adult, at least in my adult life. So it's just you know, completely, completely changed my viewpoint of Pete Rose over the years. 
Yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, I talked to Bob Feller at the at the Hall of Fame at Cooperstown when he was there, and he was adamant that there's no way this guy's ever going to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but yeah, well, I think that's a hundred percent correct. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe they will after we're long dead, uh, but uh, after he's long dead, but I, it's not happening anytime soon. That's for sure. Okay. All right. I just thought it was an interesting. This book was very good, though. Anybody want to read it? I mean, it's a. I, I'd recommend it. It's terrific. What's right, the guys, What's the name of the book? Whoa, 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 whoa! Baseball. What's the name of the book? Baseball at the Abyss. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. You too. Once again, uh, the number is 602-260-1060 if you'd like to chime in. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they're prepping for their first uh, showdown with the 49ers of the season. They'll be going up to Santa Clara. Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Cardinals, as well as Josh Jobs, quarterback, met the media yesterday. Some quick takeaways that I had from listening to what they had to say. Some updates first on uh, Zaven Collins, as well as Chris Barnes from Jonathan Gannon. He thinks Zaven Collins is going to be good to go. He does have to wear a dark visor so he doesn't get uh, poked in the eye again. That's kind of what happened to him in that Sunday contest against the Cowboys. And then Chris Barnes, according to Gannon, they'll have to evaluate him throughout the week uh yeah they, they've actually made uh several moves here in the last you know 10 days or so because remember woods is out also the starting linebacker the original starting linebacker in that spot so they've added a lot of uh you know, defensive linemen and linebackers in the last 10 days or so because uh those are two injury positions where two injuries were two positions where they've uh i wouldn't say decimated would be wiped out entirely uh, but they've lost a lot of players at those two spots and once again uh, the Cardinals uh, leading the planet and scanning the waiver wire and this time it's not because of uh, you know they just had bad players there originally it's now out of necessity because they've had so many injuries on those two spots. You know, obviously, we've spent a lot of time talking about the 49ers, their ability to uh, get you any which way on the offensive side of the ball. And so Jonathan Gannon was asked about what jumps off to him on the tape about the 49ers. And he said here how they generate them, them being explosive plays. It's really on offense. They got guys in every group that are really, really good with the ball in their hands. The schematics of how they play the game, they get the guys the ball in space. Purdy plays at a very high level, like where an explosive, it's a little thing, but because the ball is on time and now it becomes a catch and a run, not a bang, bang, a catch that goes from 10 now goes for 20 because it's on time in rhythm and the DB is not connected anymore. That plays into that too. Obviously the scheme is probably the best in the world. Truthfully, he says (laughs) defensively, they have star power on all three levels. Their D line train wrecks the game. They got linebackers that flow fast they can tackle the ball uh away they're good in coverage and they got a back end that plays connected with star power our team knows very well the challenge that lays ahead on sunday i think a lot of what he said is 100 in fact all of it i think is pretty much 100 uh, accurate there we've been talking about this for a long time well it seems like a long time only really a couple years since they got all these you know since the debo and iuk acquisitions uh, two three years ago, uh, I would I think it's more important for defenses to be able to tackle against San Francisco than any team in the league because as he mentioned they get the ball to these guys in open space and you got to make tackles and the uh, Cardinals who actually thought 
had tackled pretty well the first two games. The game that they won, ironically, was the game that I don't think there's any doubt they tackled by far the worst. And if they don't tackle better, better this week against the Niners than they did last week against the Cowboys, they're going to get run out of the building. I was actually having a debate with someone uh, about this kind of similar topic here and why they decided to to stick with Brock Purdy and why he had kind of won the job. And I said, because he's accurate with the football, he places it where you are, like Jonathan Gannon is talking about here, uh, you're not getting 10 yards, you're getting 20 yards because the receiver, the running back, whoever's catching the ball, the tight end, is able then to catch it and have run opportunities, whereas maybe they didn't see that from Trey. Lance, their opposition to that was that Brock Purdy is cheaper than Trey Lance. Well, I think both of you have a good point. (laughs) It's definitely true that he's cheaper than Trey Lance. There's no doubt about that. He's not going to be cheaper than Trey Lance for a while, in in a while here, because Purdy, he hasn't lost a game that he's finished so far. And I don't even, has he even thrown more than like, Maybe a couple of interceptions on all these starts. It's been pretty amazing. That's something I'm going to actually have a note here to research before we uh, talk with Matt Mayoko tomorrow at 9.15 in the sports zone as we get the latest on the 49ers. But uh, I don't know. I, I was listening to a conversation on NFL Network this morning uh, while you were talking to Dan in the last hour, and they brought up a really good question that I'm going to ask tomorrow. What is exactly Purdy's weakness at a quarter as a quarterback? Have we – have we seen enough to know he has one? Uh, I don't think we've seen it in a game, but what might it be? To answer your interception question, he's thrown none so far this year. I mean, frankly, though, uh, a few could have been picked off in that Thursday night game. So we'll uh, give That's true. give that as uh, good fortune. But in 2022, he only threw four, four picks. That's pretty good because it was like six or seven starts that year, right? So uh, uh, that Nine games amazing. played. Okay, he's he's been really good. Well, a couple of those were before he started, right? Correct. And so, you know, garbage time before you know for Jimmy G when they had some big leads. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. But uh, he's been really good, and uh, he is very smart. I mean, uh, you know, we thought that when he was at Iowa State, and it really wasn't his fault. A lot of it was not his fault. That is, Iowa State numbers actually got worse as his time went on because the talent around talent level around him got worse, including David Montgomery not being there. To answer maybe your question, I'm curious what Matt Mayoko has to say about this in terms of like what is Brock Purdy's weakness. Uh, um, I'm wondering if it is more relative to if you were to take him off of this team and ask him to be uh, the person that makes everyone else around him better, whereas that's not what he's being asked to do in this system. And because of that, he this is like the perfect place for him, the perfect opportunity for him. I think that's fair, even though... I don't want to really I don't want to you know minimize what he's done but I think that's a fair question to ask. I had asked you this yesterday if you noticed anything different defensively. It's mostly the same players. They obviously brought in Javon Hargrave, and we talked about it yesterday, just how dominant he has been uh, in his first three contests with the 49ers. But because of new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, if there were any differences there, that was kind of a question just but more broadly to head coach Jonathan Gannon yesterday. If he noticed any major changes from the last time they played them, obviously, 
obviously him being with the Eagles defensive coordinator with the uh, with the Eagles playing the 49ers and he said not a ton but it's a different team it's a different time of year a team looks different in January than in September the thing that is consistent is that they are a good football team yeah and I'm guessing that you know I don't know how much he really could have taken out of that game that they played in the in the uh, in the playoffs last year because the whole strategy of that game totally changed after Purdy got hurt in the first quarter. Absolutely. Everything definitely changed. Um, then he was asked here, how do you prepare your defense to play fast? And he says here, you got to be mentally, physically, and emotionally sharp because they are going to make their plays. They are going to hit you in the mouth and you got to be able to respond. But alignment, assignment, key technique, it's one of our principles of defense and you got to do that faster than they do it on offense. Critical component to playing them well. Yeah, I think one thing that maybe this, especially this week, that gets a little lost in the in the uh, in the shuffle of all the good things we did, we've talked about, and I think you were a hundred percent correct pointing out the right off the bat the, the yards after the catch and the open space thing that Gannon talked about yesterday. But if the Cardinals can't stop the running game at this point, Purdy's never really going to have to throw the ball. Also true, uh, and the Cardinals have had trouble stopping the run here. They're ranked uh, in the bottom five, at least in uh, defenses, giving up yards per game. Uh, So that certainly, with Christian McCaffrey and the hot start that he's had, could be problematic for them. Uh, The question here now, takeaways from quarterback Josh Dobbs. Uh, You know, they have gotten off to really hot starts. They've had leads going into fourth quarters in all three games. They were able to get their first win against the Cowboys last Sunday. So the question here was how can the team continue their hot starts and he said just keeping keep playing good football executing play at a high level stay ahead of the chains being efficient on first and second down if we keep doing that we'll keep playing really good football obviously starting these games really well helps our defense helps our offense get into a rhythm just staying focused in our preparation you know not taking things for granted I think complacency is always the enemy of progress so many times we when you've had success, you can become complacent. I thought that was a, a really good line there, that I think complacency is always the enemy of progress. That's true, but you're also playing, you know, arguably the best defense in the league. So I don't think there's a whole lot of that going on this week. But we'll see how this goes. And, you know, it's, uh, you know the one thing when you face San Francisco, and, and I have not watched any of their games from start to finish, uh, the first game was not really worth watching start to finish because they had a lead early against Pittsburgh. Uh, the second game uh, was you know, we were actually a, a Cardinals game, so I wasn't able to watch that game live and never did see a replay of the Rams game uh, that they won in week two. And then last Thursday night, I don't get prime video or whatever the network is called. I don't get that, so I didn't watch that game from start to finish. And then I knew – Pretty much everything that had happened by the time that the replay was on the NFL Network because of ESPN, basically, it seems like they almost replay every play of the game as soon as the game is over tonight or you know Thursday night. You know they do a their their highlight package for the Thursday night game. I guarantee you is far more extensive than the highlight packages that they run for every other game on say a Sunday during the season. 
The Wednesday injury report, Dre Greenlaw ankle didn't practice yesterday. Juwan Jennings with a That's shin. That's a really big deal. That, that could be a big deal, by the way, the Greenlaw thing. With a shin, did not practice. Debo Samuel, ribs, knee, did not practice. Trent Williams, just rest, did not practice. Brandon Ayuk was limited, as well as Ambry Thomas was limited. We'll get into poll questions on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven forty-two here on KDOS AM ten sixty. As always, online at KDOS ten sixty dot com and with the KDOS ten sixty app, powered by SuperBook Sports. The Diamondbacks here now are down to nothing. Jarvis just gave up a two-run home run in the bottom of the second. Uh, there's one he's out. He just did get, he's lucky to give up another home run in the next pitch. I thought that ball was out of the park for sure in Chicago, but it stayed in. Uh, Cotton Corbin Carroll right in front of the warning track in right field. And so uh, the Diamondbacks will look to climb their way uh, out of this one here as we've been talking about it all day long that, uh, you know, the opportunity to try to clinch uh, before they have to face the Astros ahead of their three-game homestand to wrap up the regular season. Let's get into it now with the poll questions, though. The KDOS1060.com poll question. There was a big-time three-team trade yesterday in the NBA that involved DeAndre Ayton going to the Trailblazers in return. Nurkic is coming here to the Suns. Uh, there's also going to be Grayson Allen coming here from the Bucks. Like I said, three-team trade. Damian Lillard, Blazers to the Bucks. So here's the question. Are the Suns closer to winning their first-ever NBA? A championship because DeAndre Ayton is gone. Yes or no? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say no. Uh, you know that's uh, see that's because uh, I just I'm been the uh, lone DeAndre Ayton supporter in Maricopa County uh, since he's been here, and I've actually had plenty of time to think about this. Uh, you know, not necessarily specifically in the last 24 hours since he's been traded, but for the last two or three years. I don't think there's been an athlete in this town that's been more unjustly criticized uh, by the, by everybody, seemingly, than DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I'm not uh, proclaiming he should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, but I just thought that a ton of the criticism and almost all of it, especially last year, was just garbage. I mean, what's he supposed to do if he doesn't get the ball? What's he supposed to do? If they don't have guards that can prevent, you know, teams that have, you know, opposing guards that can get into the paint. So what's he, uh, is Aiton supposed to stop the guard and defend the pick and roll? What the hell is he supposed to do? And whenever he doesn't get a rebound, it's his fault. Every loss the Suns have had in five years with Aiton was his fault. Uh, so, you know, that's been my stand for a while. And like I said, I've had plenty of time to think about this. I remember thinking about this last year during the season. And I don't think there's been an athlete in my 20-something years here that has, I think, been more unjustly criticized than DeAndre Ayton. 
So my answer here is starting off with maybe. Maybe if the chemistry is right, and that's not really something that I can quantify on the outside looking in, that maybe that's why this decision was made to move on from, from Aiton because uh, it, it just had gotten to a point in which neither side could work together anymore even though there was a new coaching staff here i don't know that so maybe if the chemistry improves that that changes some of the dynamics on the court and we won't really know all of that until we kind of see it come together here but there's no doubt that uh you lost athleticism in this trade there's no doubt that you lost uh uh, something that you were not able to get in the trade here back so So with all of that in mind, it's certainly going to, I think, come down to uh, what are we going to see here from Frank Vogel on the defensive side of the ball, being that defensive-minded head coach? How is he going to try his best with his scheme to put players in a position to succeed? In addition to that, Kevin Young staying as now the highest-paid assistant coach uh, to handle the offensive side of things. How is this all going to fit together? There are question marks here. I don't know that this one trade made them closer to winning a championship. So in the end, I'm saying no. Okay. The masses are on the no side of things to the tune of 67% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 33%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Over on Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, Bob caught up with Tim Twentyman from Lions.com. If you missed that conversation, podcast it, KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. Who wins tonight in Green Bay? It's a 515 kick on Amazon Prime, the Lions or the Packers. And, uh... Well, goodness gracious, let's see who's playing, who's not playing. We know for sure for the Packers that uh, David Bakhtiari is out. We know Devondre Campbell is out. We know Zane Anderson is out, and we know Elkton Jenkins is out, also on the offensive line. Aaron Jones listed as questionable. Christian Watson listed as questionable. There's been a lot of reports here this morning that indicate they will be playing. Uh, So that obviously improves things for the Packers on uh, just offensive weapons for Jordan Love to throw the ball to. For the Lions here, according to Tom Pelissero from this morning, running back David Montgomery is set to play. Uh, Left tackle Taylor Decker is set to play. Emmanuel Mosley will not be playing for the Lions. So that's the injury side of things. Uh, Typically on a short week for Thursday night, you you favored the home team uh, just because of uh, less travel, all those sorts of dynamics on a short week. I do look at, and we talked about it yesterday when we were discussing different teams and where we where uh, they were in the power rankings, but we honed in on the Packers and discussing Jordan Love and how he's only completing like 53% of his passes. And I just have to wonder here, going up against the Lions defense that does have injuries in the secondary, is he able to get the ball a little bit more on target? Or is Aiden Hutchinson going to be able to get after him, putting pressure on him with an offensive line that is suffering some injuries for the Packers here. Uh, So with all of that kind of in mind, I guess I'm going against my philosophy of a home team and saying the Lions will be able to pull this one out. Yeah, not just the offensive line uh, shorthanded. Those are by far, and I cannot stress this enough, by far, capital letters by far, the two best offensive linemen the Packers have. 
And, uh, you know, certainly Jordan Love was under siege for part of that game last week. And that had just something to do with his inaccuracy. They came back and won that game. Uh, Love is improved. He's impressed me more with his poise than he has his accuracy, which hasn't been good. And really, if you take a look at the full three games, uh, if you were, you know, I think a lot of people are rooting for Jordan Love, which is fine. Um, certainly a lot of the Aaron Rodgers haters are hoping that he's going to be, you know, just as good or God forbid, uh, any just decent. Uh, but you know, there's that. So I'm not sure. I think there's unfortunately a lot of people in the media that are rooting for Jordan Love to be good because some of the people in the media don't like all an Aaron Rodgers shenanigans the last few years, etc. But that should not play a role in what your opinion of somebody is or what you honestly, objectively think about somebody. But I think that's happened. As far as this game goes, the other injury that I think is maybe the most important of all is Jair Alexander, uh, who is arguably uh, certainly the best corner in this game and one of the best corners in the game itself, the, the profession. And it looks like he's not going to play, according to the insiders yesterday. I believe he's listed as questionable or whatever, but it seems unlikely that he's going to play at least based by what they say. I completely mismanaged the market in this game. I thought that the Packers would get more attention because the you know, primetime game, standalone game, uh, the home team, the favorite, often gets a lot of uh, you know, late love. That has certainly not happened in the last few hours. Uh, yesterday, this game was one, one and a half in almost every location in the world. And now I see some two-and-a-halves in Las Vegas. It was one-and-a-half in most places this morning. At some point in the 9 o'clock hour, it went up to two everywhere pretty much. And now I see some two-and-a-halves in Las Vegas, including at the Mirage and Circa, which are, you know, Circa is certainly one of the high-volume uh, betting shops. Whoops, that just went back to two at Circa as I said that. <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll see, uh, see where that goes. But still... I completely mismanaged this as far as making a bet on this game, which was thinking, man, if the Lions get to like a pick em or stay at one, I'm going to have to or get it. You know, I've got I'll probably jump on that. Not now because the best number has gone. But for the purpose of the question, I'm on the Detroit side. The masses are also on the Lions side of things at 58.3% of the vote. Packers sitting at 41.7%. I will say two things. One, Matt LaFleur. We talked a lot about coaches making strange, bizarre decisions last week, and I don't think we accurately pointed out using math to make a good decision. That was Matt LaFleur being able to go for two, putting yourself in a position then to either tie or win the game outright, and that's what they did in that Saints game. So good on him. and And I agree with that, believe it or not. Some people would be surprised, but I thought that was the right thing to do. And secondly here, uh, I like rookie tight end for the Lions, Sam Laporta. So that could be a, a yeah. angle to explore uh, for yeah. tonight's game if you're interested in prop bet marketing. Talked about him with Tim in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. One more segment to go next. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Love me like you did, but you did, but you did. And I thank you. 
final segment of this September 28th, Thursday edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. Okay, I got too many windows open here, and not a good thing to do in Arizona when it's 100 degrees outside, the different kind of windows. Okay, (laughs) we're good. Here we go. Uh, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped to the cracks. Also, our guest today, uh, plural, a Lions-Packers preview, a, 39, a Thursday night preview with uh, Tim Twentyman of DetroitLions.com. And, of course, uh, Kayla in the last hour joined for around the NBA and obviously uh, some Suns discussion with Dan Favale from Bleacher Report after the big trade yesterday. Uh, 9.15 tomorrow, we'll get the latest on the 49ers heading into the Sunday game against the Cardinals with Matt Mayoko, our longtime uh, guest uh, regarding the San Francisco 49ers. Also, uh, sound of the day, courtesy of Bally Sports Arizona, uh, Bally Sports Indiana, Fox, uh, MLB, and also KGME, uh, KBME, excuse me. Uh, that's the uh, Astros flagship station. Pretty sure about that. Uh, as always, we've got a special, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next because I'm just kind of rambling on here. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, Thursday Night Football featuring the Lions and the Packers. It kicks off at 5.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Uh, Then you also have what's happening here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're currently facing off against the White Sox. They've cut into the lead. It's now 2-1 Chicago uh, heading into the bottom of the third. Yeah, Corbin Carroll hit a triple in the last inning, and he scored on a sacrifice fly, so that's good. Uh, they've had some bad looking at bats here against Toki Tucson this first couple of innings. Christian Walker strikes out in the first inning with a couple of runners on base. And, uh, you know, Pham had a really strange looking at bat to end the second inning. So, uh, hopefully that, excuse me, the top of the third inning, if that was the Pham at bat, second at bat for him. So hopefully that'll change. And, uh, the White Sox aren't going to hold the Diamondbacks to one run. So there's going to be more runs scored at this game at some strategical point. Hopefully the Diamondbacks have more hits than they did after the third inning yesterday when they had one hit in the uh, last six at-bats, but it didn't matter because the White Sox were feeble. That'll do it for this Thursday edition of Extra Point. You know it. It's Friday. Friday spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Tomorrow we'll dive into the college football slates as well as the NFL games and we'll look to go 5-0 and in our uh, winner's selection. So the pressure is mounting here, but we're having some fun with it as we're 5-0 and and look to enjoy it tomorrow in the Friday spread in the Extra Point. Talk to you then.